Hey guys, it's Roz, your host on Recharge, Rebuild and Restore. Come join me at 7 p.m. Sunday to empower people from all walks of life with life lessons, shared stories, tricks and tips for life. Come follow me at R3NRoth. Hey guys, welcome to Recharge, Rebuild and Restore. R3 with me, Ross. I am excited, honored, and humbled to talk to this beautiful woman who is a mother, a wife, a teacher, and most of all, a woman that gives back so much to her community. She is kind-hearted. She is caring. She is so amazing. And she has the biggest laughter I ever heard. Please, let us welcome together Madame Julie DeBell to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Madame Julie. That's the way I call her. Hello, Rosalind. I'm, I'm so happy for my friends to hear all about you because I was talking and say I have this great woman that loves the community and wants to share so much. So tell us a little bit, who is Madame Julie? Um, well, I guess I'm... Um... A jack of all trades. I worked as a teacher prior to teaching. Of course, I had to make my way in part through university. I was fortunate enough to have parents that did support me through university, but mm -hmm. uh, I did try my hand at different jobs. I was a professional clown for a while. I was a member of Clowns Canada. How did that go? Oh, that went really well. I mean, I was uh, Billy Button the Clown, actually. People on the <laughs> West Island knew me quite well. Bouton le Clown in French and Billy Button the Clown. So that allowed me to pay my way through uh, university, actually. And because uh, I had taught how to do, I had learned how to do some magic with a magician, Patrice le Magicien. Right. And from there, I landed my own gigs. We opened uh, IKEA. I did birthday parties. Mm -hmm. I worked uh, cleaning dog cages. I worked as a dental assistant for a while. Um, I worked many years as an um, administrative assistant, a secretary. So I guess I didn't know what I wanted to do because first and foremost, I worked. Right. And life is all, writing is all about life. So it's right. you know, gather the experience and you write about it. Mm -hmm. And then finally I became a teacher and life experience helps you to become a better teacher, I think. Right. So with you teaching for so long, what would you take away from what you have learned from your students and from your coworkers? Well, certainly nobody's perfect is the number one lesson that I've learned, right. including myself. Mm -hmm. So when I joined the teaching profession, I had it in my mind that it was going to be a vocation in the sense that I was joining an army of perfect, devoted wonderful people, altruistic right. people that would mm -hmm. give their lives for their students. Not quite the case. Um, administration is very tough in uh, mm -hmm. the teaching sector because they run the education institutions as if you would run a business. Right. And teaching children or teaching young adults is not about business. It's about life. Right. But, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but from teaching before and teaching now, what would you say is different in the way you're teaching now with the students and with the staff? Well, I would say that right now, the, what, I mean, there have been many changes because of COVID. COVID yes, definitely. 
change the picture of learning and, and teaching uh, because we did a lot of things online. Online uh, allows for many um, holes. A lot of students don't show up or pretend they're there. Um, right. Teachers have given up or they just hand out marks because they go, well, there's no point. There's no learning happening anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so that really changed the picture. I'm back in live with students, but uh, I sense um, a very sad group of young people, very tired, very sad, right. discouraged. And also because everything was online, including their own social lives, they've become right. kind of addicted to the technology. It's very difficult to get them away from the phone and the selfies and the, mm -hmm. oh, who is writing to me now? And, you know, mm -hmm. and you go, wow. So the attention span is very low and the memory just doesn't work. They don't, they don't retain information like they used to. Yeah. And I, I and I could imagine it's frustrating also for the teachers because you want to have an interaction with your students that you could be, they could participate in whatever you are teaching them for them to learn, but with so much happening to, they have to go through what they're going through. So how are you helping? Is there any resources that's there out there to help the students on a mental level? Because seeing that with COVID and it, it was so hard on everyone, what is the tools and the resources is being used to help those children at a time when you can see that they're hurting or you see them in pain or you see them sad or lonely or frustrated? What I can't talk for the elementary and high school level because I'm not right. there anymore. I'm teaching at the college level. Mm -hmm. uh, at the college level, they have always had resources in place for learning disabilities, anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we do have psychologists on board. We do have a, a department that handles all the uh, extra work that's necessary or extra support that they, for example, it's called, uh, in our case, it's called a SED. And so the students, some students do not write their exams in class for okay. a variety of reasons. Uh, the noise distracts them. In one case, I have a student who has to have the exams read to him. He can't read them himself. So the whole exam is then put on computer and he can then answer the questions. So um, there are centers like that that are available. But at the college level in the French sector, because I can't speak for the English sector, but in the French sector, each there's an adult that takes care of a whole bunch of students. You know, they, uh, there's an adult there responsible for every student and so if a student runs into a problem he or she has a particular person and that okay. particular person will guide them in the direction it used to be the teacher's job to do that right. so my concern of course is why are we removing uh, because uh -huh. teachers are frontline workers we're right there in the classroom yep. with them and it should be my right. job to spend more mm -hmm. time with the student if the student needs more time I suspect it's a union move, but I'm not entirely sure. Okay, because still with the teachers, you're building the relationship with the child, so you will know more what's happening with that child or that student, exactly. whereas somebody is coming into the into the classroom to try to figure out how to help that child. So I understand. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there was one we had this discussion at one point with some of these professionals, and right. one time we got the answer we got was. Well, if you start doing our job, we will be, this is people telling the teacher, if you start doing our job, we will be right. without a job. And I'm kind it's of unfortunate. Going, wow, that's, that's mm -hmm. really odd because really it's all about educating the youth. Right. And not about I, I could, our jobs. But you see, because of, 
I think it's just so much and everyone is so overloaded trying to take out too much pressure on you so you could be able to be able to function well enough mentally and emotionally and physically to able to go to the classroom and deal with your students, right? So they're trying to say, you know what, how about I take that part away so you don't have to deal with that and deal yes. with that because... But it's, that's a problem in its own because as a teacher, if I see that a student, say, has a problem with language acquisition, then it's mm -hmm. my job to figure out a way for the student to, you know, because I'm the one that's close, I can see how his brain works or her brain works. When they leave right. the class to do that with someone else, the someone mm -hmm. else is not going to bore into this child's brain or, or right. young, this young person's brain. So then mm -hmm. the person comes back, say, after an exam or an evaluation, but I still don't know really what the problem is because I wasn't given the chance to explore it with that's the student. Right. You know, so I, you become, as a teacher, you sort of become, well, we're just passing on information. We're just giving out notes. I mean, the other problem that's happening right now at the college level is that uh, attendance is not an obligation. So you'll mm. you have actually teachers that will evaluate every class. They'll give a quiz. They'll give a test just to make sure there's uh, attendance. Well, evaluation is not a method to assure attendance. Evaluation right. should be used to measure if knowledge has been acquired or not. So that to me is dishonest. I mean, if the colleges are set up where attendance is not an obligation, then so be it. And then right. maybe we have to look at another way to teach at the college level, you know, but to use quizzes as a control, I'm totally against. Well, I, I guess it's, uh, it's a broader subject we'll have to look in later. And I guess you have to find the right people that can help you with this uh, problem that you're facing right now with, with school. Because as you said, no matter what, you still have that relationship with your children. And it's you that have to see how you, you see fit to take care of the child. Mm -hmm. So all that said, we're going to go into something much lighter. Uh, you're going to share with you the community who and what and why is, is, is what is as Cafe Depot? Okay, well, Cafe Po was a project of mine after I retired before I went back to teaching because there is such a need right now. Right. Um, so, Cafe Po is an open mic, it's a community open mic where people can come and read their poems, read excerpts of the books or stories they've written, um, play some music, pull out a guitar. Mm -hmm. Um, and why Cafe Po? Cafe with a K because it makes it more exotic sounding rather than just you know, the corner cafe. But right. also uh, because I, I don't own a cafe. So we were using a coffee shop that already existed. And right. uh, the local coffee shop was good enough to allow us to be there every first Thursday of the month. And mm -hmm. why Poe? Because it's Edgar Allan Poe, P-O-E. Um, and of course, there are the three first letters of the word poetry. So right. I played with that. So the Cafe Po took off, um, oh my God, we go back maybe seven years now, eight years, and it ran for a total of four years, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then the coffee shop closed. So we found another place in Point Claire, but that was short-lived because, as you know, COVID came around. COVID came, yeah. Yeah, so COVID shut us all down, you know. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the idea was to bring the community together. I wanted to do something that could, that was open to young people, old people, women, men, teens, and all kinds of art expression, you know, so that was the idea behind it, rather than just focus on one group, let's do something for the elderly, or let's do something for the children, that way it was open to everyone, and I had, uh, I mean, I had a grade five student that came to read poetry at Cafe Poe once. Right, 
but I, you're so passionate about it. Uh, what what made you decide to study in poetry? Were you is it a journey or is it something that you felt as a child, as I said before, in, in your um, in your bio? What, what gave you that zeal and that urge and you really wanted to start writing poetry? How did it make you feel? Well, I always wrote poetry. I think I the minute I started learning how to write and read, I started mm -hmm. writing poetry, stories, plays, like some children like to play hockey or other children like to draw because I can't draw for the life of me. I make stick figures. I mean, I just can't draw. I wish I could. So yeah. it's my way to express the images that were in my head, you know? So, I mean, I, I started like any other child starts to do, pick up something that is his or hers, you know? And it just followed me all my life. And then I met a few poets and then actually what really started the whole process is when uh, the Pancor Library, Sylvie, who is a friend of mine, she runs a library, and one day she sent me um, a call for submission to write. There was a collective happening in Montreal to write against racism. Right. And it was so they were going to put together some of the best poems that um, expressed, you know, problems with racism. And right. my poem was selected. Oh, well, congratulations. Congratulations. 2001, I think. Anyway, so from there on, then I continued to take it a little more seriously when I, re when I you know, I mean, it, it, it tells you that, oh, hey, maybe I'm not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you think the community needed that at the time that you started? And what testimonies did you receive from the people who come into the Café de Pau to share their, their love for poetry? Well, I don't know if there was a need. I think that every community needs together to get together at some time or another. And Pancor right. is a very vibrant community anyway. It I is. Mean, on and off, there are many activities and many people getting involved. But yeah. uh, some of the comments that I got from uh, people who came to uh, Cafe Po were things like, uh, oh, my God, I never thought that I could take the mic. I was so shy and you right. made me feel so at ease and it was so easy. Thank you so much. Other right. comments, I had people that were like in one case, one of our main poets, Laura, she was a painter. She was a she's a visual artist. Right. She mm -hmm. didn't she had never considered writing poetry and Cafe mm -hmm. Poe inspired her enough that she started writing her own poetry. Wow. You know, that's beautiful. Um, I had comments of, about from people who said that's really neat that things are happening in more than one language. You know, it wasn't right. just. But then I had the other way too, the other side where people said, for example, there were a few francophones that said, well, I don't understand anything that's happening in English. So right. I'd love to come, but I would love it if you could just do it in French. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right. Because one of the one of the ways to build bridges between cultures is mm -hmm. to get people used to hearing the other person's language. And getting to know them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all language is music. All language is music. All languages music. That is beautiful. All languages music. So you said that people have was able to give testimonial. Were there people to say that gave me inspiration so I could go out and do it for myself in my own community? Or was it just only people from our community that was coming to Cafe de Pau? Oh, I had a lot of people coming to Cafe Po. A lot of people came from Saint-Lazare, Pointe-Claire, oh, okay. uh, Dorval. Um, now, I, there were other similar events in other communities anyway. St. Anne de Bellevue had a an event that, uh, you know, lasted for 12 years. And I'm the one that inspired myself. I used twigs and leaves as uh, an inspiration to start Cafe Po here. Oh, you know, okay. Because the right. whole open mic poetry event 
has been going on for 20 years at least if not more you know mm. i mean in mm. the 60s these were very popular events and then they dwindled they died other things came about and there was like a revival about 20 years ago for you know this open mic poetry so that people who are not recognized poets can also have a voice right that's great well would would you um resume back to um cafe po and continue or oh, because I, I, of covid because of covid everything has changed and you, you don't want to continue anymore i absolutely want to continue i'm i'm hoping that covid um diminishes enough that uh, <laughs> the next time i find a venue that i won't be shut down because the problem is always finding a space right you know? Because you can't, you can't just do this in any restaurant. Restaurants, people that go to restaurants, they want their peace and quiet. They want to eat their food. They don't want people, you know, screaming out loud or right. singing music or that kind of thing. So, right. and, and a lot of coffee shops are a bit too small for the event too. So mm -hmm. um, I figure maybe in the next year I might land another spot. Maybe COVID will leave us alone. Right. In the meantime, because of the 350th anniversary of Il Pearl Island, right. uh, I am taking on three major events that mm -hmm. will take place to celebrate these uh, this uh, history, historical celebration. Great. You know, and I was, just about, I was just about to ask you about that, too. So give us a little more details about that and, and what is on the agenda for the, the celebration. Okay. I don't know. I know there's going to be a book launch from the island historian there's right. going to be a huge banquet in Ooh. october that everybody will be invited to if they want to of course it, it costs right but then you get wine with that whatever uh -huh. um there's going to be um if you go to point zoulin there will be activities all summer the ones mm -hmm. that i am taking care of beginning with a theatrical performance on May the 26th at Notre Dame, Notre Dame de la Church here in Pancor. Yeah. Uh, we're putting on a multilingual uh, poetry event, but it's theatrical poetry. And it's all about uh, living on an island. So you imagine wow. explorers showing up. I mean, there's, we're opening up with a prayer in Cree and then continuing on with the famous poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Coleridge. And, uh, there are many people there's a few readers or performers from the island and some from you know valley field that are participating point de cascade and then uh, there's uh well poesy pain cool poetry okay. in um, the last week of uh, may and that's a small event at the library which takes place every second month anyway but then there's going to be an intergenerational picnic on june 17th friday at bellevue park from Ooh. five to eight so Brian Gallagher and Felix, two guitarists from the island, will be entertaining us the whole evening. And mm -hmm. we ask uh, for, um, you know, grandparents with their grandchildren or Very brothers nice. and oh. sisters to perform. Okay. So it's an mm -hmm. open mic for the community. Very good. So Which then it will be a lot of activities happening yeah. during the summer for the celebration of the 350 for El Perro. And then we finish in September, we finish the, the other event that I'm uh, uh, heading is called uh, the Island Bards, Les Bards de Lille. And that's an open okay. mic with poets and musicians from the island. Um, I, there's one fellow who's going to be uh, there. He's a rapper, a very well-known rapper on the island. 
and uh, we've got uh, poets and we've got guitarists and so right. and then with an open mic to the public at the end if people want to join and come up and, and perform. Hey guys, so you see we have a lot of stuff happening in our community. So we're excited to share, so come and support and enjoy and learn about our community, which is a beautiful city to, to live in. I'm very honored. I'm, I'm privileged to live here, honestly, because you go everywhere, but you come back and you're just like, you're just happy to be in your own community because there is so much services and there's so much offering for the young people, the elderly and everyone, really. It's not just for a certain people, for everyone. Everyone can have right. the benefits of the community, which I liked about. That's right. That's right. Oh, we're, good old islanders is what we are. You're good old islanders, that's right. Well, you know, um, um, last month they celebrated Women's Day and everyone makes a big thing about Women's Day. How do you feel about celebrating in the month of March? Do you think it should continue on for the year or is it just a special day where we celebrate women and have given so much to different communities all over the world? Oh, I'm not even sure how to answer that question because, I mean, every month has a different celebration. You have Black right. History Month in February, uh-huh. Women's Day in March. I mean, all don't right. forget that April is also the International Poetry Month. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I think that every month having a celebration here and there, Valentine's in February, also Christmas in December, right. uh, right. Ramadan at different times of the year, uh, right. the Spring Festival and the Autumn Festival for the Chinese. I think it brings a lot of excitement and color from month to month. Um, right. I don't think that we should be celebrating everything all year round. I think we'd be exhausted at the end. Because we <laughs> some people be- love that. Some people love the excitement. They love the difference. They love to hear different things. They love to explore different things because they feel like they're just there and they want more. So they're trying to figure out other things, right? I suppose. I mean, myself, personally, I don't think I'd be capable physically of partying and celebrating every day of the <laughs> month, 12 months out of the year. That right. you sort of need to sit back and, and reflect and rest, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure how to answer that question. You know, I mean, uh, if we have Women's Day in March, it's because historically women were not done, were, were poorly done by historically. I mean, don't forget, they didn't have the right to vote. They didn't have, right. you know, but now that all these rights have been acquired, um, right. I, you know, you kind of go, can we just celebrate people 365 days a week, uh, a year? I mean, you know, <laughs> well, just people, all people. Yes. Well, I, I was just about to ask you the question, you know, because we talk about a lot. As a woman, you have said many times to me that you're not just here to empower women. You like yes. to empower everyone, every person on the earth. doesn't matter your greed, your mm-hmm. ethnicity. How would you say that you are making an impact and empowering all people of all walks of life? And how are you doing that? Well, one of the ways certainly that I've done it is through teaching, because even though we have rules and regulations, I've always marched to my own drum. And if a child needs my support, regardless of color, creed or sex, I will give this child my support, period. Uh, That being said, in all walks of life, I've met people that were friends or acquaintances and that were going through rough patches. Well, then I was there to help or to support Um, I would never and I wouldn't just, um, you know, support one particular group, because if all my energy is given to one group, then that means there's no energy left elsewhere. 
for another. So mm -hmm. I just I sort of answer the call as the calls come in. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, right. so that's why I don't choose to empower women only or to empower, uh, I don't know, a certain religion only or, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, the empowerment should be worldwide for everybody the same way, you know, but I've never, I've never felt myself as a woman. I've never in my head felt diminished, you know, okay. so... I think that you also, as an individual, you have to just take on the power of being proud of who you are and, and giving to others, you know? Yes, that's important for sure. And you just went back on something, as I say, as a teacher. Now I'll ask that question. Do you think someone needs a mentor, for example, your students or generally speaking? I think there's always people that need some kind of mentoring sometime during their lives whether it's as a child whether it's as an adult um i don't i'm not sure if you're referring to you know official mentoring you know because you have people in school generally speaking generally, generally speaking, speaking. Mm -hmm. well i think that's what friendship is all about and that's what being right. human and being part of a community is all about when mm -hmm. cafe poe existed uh, there were times where i would find myself mentoring a new poet without even wow. That right. this is what I was doing. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you have two choices in life. You can right. have people that are in need and you go, well, not my problem and walk away. Right. <laughs> or you can say, well, <laughs> let's see what I can do and let's see how far I can go with you. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's sort of, that, that's my life philosophy. Ooh, thank you, Madame Julie. That's deep. What have you learned about yourself going back to school, teaching and helping others? What have you learned about yourself? That I'm getting tired. <laughs> I realized this time around that I might be getting a little old. <laughs> that maybe you are not old. You are young at heart. You're not yes, old. I, but the body doesn't quite want to follow the way it used to. So I have to admit that, you know, after this stint, because I agreed to go and help out because there was a real need. They were lacking teachers. But I think I'm going to stick to retirement after this and just stick to my projects because I'm realizing that every day is maybe a little too much on my 63-year-old body. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, are you, how, are you, how are you able to take care of that body mentally, emotionally, <laughs> and physically? <laughs> I, should be, I should be running with Rosalind is what I should be doing. I should actually put my hand myself into Rosalind's hands and have her restore and recharge me. Um, I, try to, I try to eat properly. I do try to move. I hate to use the word exercise now because exercise doesn't look like what it used to 20 no. years ago for me. No. But I do still cycle a bit. I do walk. I cross-country ski in the winter. Right. I don't do as much as I should because there are, there are limitations now physically. You know, there's something called arthritis when you get older, that kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> that's how I, I keep up my energies. I do push myself to be a little more in movement, you know. As long as there is movement, there is energy that will be recharging, Madame Julie. So there you go. You're still doing something that's, that is making it work for your body. So that's good. Um, so this year, what legacy or impact would you like to leave in the world? From like 500 years from now, someone's asked about Madame Julie. What legacy would you like to leave for that world um, behind us? Well, I, I, I mean... As far as the community goes, I'm hoping that I've planted enough seeds with poetry, say that the poetry or the interest or the love of poetry will continue. Because mm -hmm. to me, poetry is a, a form of meditation, too. It's a form of healing. Right. Um, so I'm hoping that that stays, but I don't have any control over that. 
Um, I can say for sure that I have changed people's lives. So that's my legacy is that if I die tomorrow, I know that I have assured uh, that some people will have a better life because of me entering their lives, you know? Amen. And, um, but I'll tell you, I think my legacy, like most mothers' legacies, is the child that you leave behind if you have raised the child with a lot of values, because every child is a promise to better the world. Amen. Depending, depending on how they're raised, it is a mm-hmm. promise to better the mm-hmm. world. So I'm hoping that my son, as your son, as your sons, as your daughter, that they will take, continue and, and continue with, you know, um, true authentic desire to better things and not just to do things for themselves you know that's that's all that's all prayer that's why we try our best to give to teach and to share with Mm -hmm. our children exactly Exactly. Mm -hmm. so on the podcast is recharge rebuild and restored is the name which Mm -hmm. all would you say you're in now in your season i think all three of them are as important (laughs) i can't choose one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're all, all three because it always depends on the situation. You can't do with one without doing with the others. Okay. And also, too, we ask on the, the podcast, you can give us a powerful quote or a mm-hmm. poem, mm-hmm. or you can sing us a song. No, or I you don't can sing. Sh- <laughs> <don't want> <laughs> I can share the all three with us, Madame Julie. So, which one would you like to choose? Well, to, I'm to share with tell the- you, the one that stuck out in my life. Uh, right. Because as. Um, I was raised, I was one of the last people to, in my, in my generation, I was the first person to be taken out of religious class, religious studies. My parents were dead set against any form of Catholic teaching in the schools. Right. And it was unfortunate because I remember in grade two, I, one of my favorite classes was actually religion. And I went, oh, no, like I hated math, right? So anyway, (laughs) and when the the day or the that they pulled me out, the next, the day before, the teacher had said something that stayed with me all my life. And I found out later on that it's actually called the golden rule and Mm -hmm. exists in every philosophy and in every religion. That's the reason why I have a hard time sticking to one religion, because actually this rule is Mm -hmm. irrefutable. You do unto others what you would want done unto you. So if I don't want anybody to harm me, Mm -hmm. I am not going to go and harm someone else. It's as simple as that. As simple as that. And if we all stuck to that, I don't think we'd have war. Very well said. Very well said. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. a golden rule. That's, that's, you can't, you have to finish with that because that is the best, the best ending you could have. You know, I mean, who, who can argue this? Who can argue this golden rule? I can't see how anybody could even justify it. I can't, you can't argue it. You can't, you know, I mean, nobody wants other people to hurt them or rob right. them or lie right. to them. So, right. you know. Mm-hmm. But Madame Julie, it's an honor to talk to you. I appreciate you so very much in my life. And when you were talking about your legacy and helping people, you are a part of mine where you helped my children when they was going through different stages in their lives and just watching them now able to do what they couldn't do before. It brings me comfort knowing that there is someone out there that usually will help someone that doesn't know and then they will be able to have it and be able to move on and learn and do more. Like my grandmother always says, you give someone a fish, 
you will continue to give them the fish because they have to eat. But you teach them to fish, they will have it for life. And that's what you did to my family. So I want to say thank you so much for doing that for me. So I appreciate that. But your children are wonderful children, Rosalyn, and they are wonderful because mama is wonderful. And more than likely, papa. Unfortunately, I didn't know your husband. But I can imagine what he was like because you have wonderful children. My heart is happy and glad. So I love you, appreciate you, and you have a beautiful rest of the day. And thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much, Rosalind. In every community, there is work to be done. In every nation, there is a wound to be healed. And in every heart, there is power to do it.